Matthew chapter 8. If you are reading through the Bible, and we have more of the Bible reading schedules out there, but if you are reading through the Bible, you may have already noticed in the Bible reading, um, as you came to Matthew chapter 8, that how Jesus dealt with people. You may ask yourself the question, why did Christ discourage people from following him? Because people would come to him and it would seem like he was discouraging them from following him. Much to the contrary of what we often do today, that um, we try to get people to follow him um, regardless, so to speak. And in Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 19, we find an account. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, think of it. If we were in Jesus' position, we would have said, Praise God. Look at this. God's raised up someone. This is wonderful. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So, here came someone, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And he said, wait a minute, do you understand? I'm not checking in to the Marriott tonight. I don't, have it. I don't know where I'm going to stay tonight. Foxes have the place where they go, and the birds of the air have their nest that they call home. If you're going to follow me, you're not going to have a place that you can call home, he said. Wow, I mean, here's a guy wanting to follow Jesus, and that's the first thing out of his mouth. Then another of his disciples said to him in verse 21, Lord, let me first go and bury the dead. And Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, we can, we're not going to take the time to go into it in the ramifications of that, but suffice it to say that he was saying to them, no, you follow me, and those that are going to die, let them take care of the others that are dying, and so on. And he came with a very bold statement that we would think, whoa, why is, why is he doing this? We find, if you turn to Luke chapter 9 with me as well, Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. He had just said to them, the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected, be killed, and be raised the third day. And in Luke 9 verse 23, and then Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his father's. And of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death 
till they see the kingdom of God. So he's giving them this message. He said, if you're going to follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Turn to Luke chapter 14. We find another instance, something very similar. Luke chapter 14 and verse 26, verse 25. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them. So great multitudes are following him. He turns and says to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he goes on and says, Which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So, Three instances that really give us a a snapshot, a picture of how Jesus responded to individuals coming to him, a whole multitude following him, and how he said to them, basically, wait, have you considered the cost? Have you stopped to think about this? This involves something that is more than just a casual nod of the head. It was involving a commitment. Jesus said to them if in, in, in Luke chapter 14, it's not that you follow me and you must hate your father and mother. What he was saying, if it comes to an either-or situation, your father or mother or wife or children are pulling you this way, and this is the way that God's asking you to go. If it comes to an either-or situation, if you're a follower of me, it's not an either-or situation. It's, I will obey the Lord. And he's saying, I don't want you to jump in and follow me and say, Oh, I didn't know it, it, it was this. I didn't know it involved this commitment. And he emphasized commitment to deal with the aspects of, um, if you please, being honest with them and thinning the ranks. But stop and I want us to stop and ask ourselves today, what is it that I am committed to? What is it that you are committed to? There's a difference between involvement and commitment. Somebody made the statement, the difference between involvement and commitment is like an eggs and ham breakfast. The chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. Now, as humorous 
as you may find that to be, the sad reality is that many of us settle for involvement without ever making a commitment. You know, the, the humorous aspect of the chicken and the pig, but how close does it hit to home for us when we honestly look at the commitments that we've made in our lives? We all, we all have things that we're involved in. And there's all various levels of commitments. You know, um, people make various commitments that they, um, whether you call it a commitment, they like a certain brand of vehicle, or and they're dead set on that. It, it's interesting. Um, we live in a society that they have found that the level of commitment has really dropped in all areas. Um, how many of you, men in particular, grew up as a Chevy guy? You know what I'm saying. Any of you? Okay. How many of you grew up as a Ford guy? Okay. How many of you as a Chrysler or Dodge guy? All right. Okay. See, Older people, most of those, I'm sorry if you raised your hand and you're not older. I saw one back there that wasn't older, but he's sitting next to his dad who influenced him probably to be the. But back in the day, you were, for example, a shivy guy. I mean, and you'd tell jokes about Ford, found on road dead and all sorts of, you know, and it, and it went both ways. People were loyal to brands. They, they made a commitment. There was a loyalty to various things that, that they were committed to. And that's a level of commitment. And it's interesting, data research has found that people nowadays really aren't committed to brands at all. How many of you that were committed to a certain type of vehicle, that has changed? Okay, see, that's changed, all right? And those of you that raise your hand, that has changed. Have you had anyone say to you, I can't believe you bought a Dodge or a Ford or a Chevy. Any of them ever say that? Roger's nodding his head. You were a Chevy guy, and I can't believe you're driving. See, there was a, there was a commitment made there whether it was wearing Chevy gear or Ford gear or putting stickers, you know, on the truck or whatever. And we make various commitments. It may be to um, a commitment to eat a certain way. It may be a commitment to a sports team. And, and yet, in all of those things, we're involved but are we really committed? Do you understand all of us are born with a commitment to self? Self rules our life until we decisively and conscientiously decide otherwise. And we have a commitment to that. You know, as parents, young parents, you like to think that the kids' first words that they say are mama, dad, dad. Usually it's mine is their first word, all right? 
or it's the most often used word. And, and um, why? They're committed to self. They're committed to pleasing self. They're committing to making life the best that it can be for self. They're committed to self. Then along comes Jesus, and he brings a stark contrast. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm just not asking you to be involved with me. I'm asking you to be committed to me. Let me go back. This represents self. I'm not asking you to be involved with me. I'm asking you to be committed to me. Do you understand? It deals with self. He must increase, but I must decrease. It's not just being involved with him. It's being committed. He used throughout Scripture the analogy of of commitment in showing forth our relationship to him. He used the analogy of marriage. Marriage is based on commitment. In the wedding vows, we say, I now give myself and all that I have completely to you and you alone. That's commitment. In good times and bad, for better, for worse, in sickness and health, for richer, for poorer, to love and to cherish until death parts us. Now, why is it all spelled out like that? It's spelled out like that because it's a commitment. Sad to say it's a commitment that many times is just thrown away, but it's a commitment we need to be reminded of. It may not be so good for you today, but you know what? I am committed to this. For better, for worse, richer or poorer, until death parts me. That's a commitment. And when a, when a person marries, as God designed, they promise their love to one another. And that love puts into action, which causes them to forsake all others and cling to their spouse. And in the same way, Christianity is the same way. Christ is not just something that we add to our belief system. In order to love the Lord with all our heart, we need to be committed to forsake all others and to cleave to him and him alone. I want us to just look at five levels of commitment to Christ that Every person on the face of the earth will be in one of these areas. And we may be growing from one to another, but the vast majority of people are in the first area. There is no commitment to Christ. None whatsoever. It it is not just atheist, but it's people, oh, maybe he's real, but he doesn't have anything to do with my life. There's no commitment to Christ whatsoever. Secondly, there are those that are committed to hearing about Jesus. They find him interesting. They find him, wow, he had quite a philosophy of life. Or he was quite a leader. 
or what a teacher. I, I'm going to study him and learn his teaching habits. And they have an interest. They're interested in hearing him. Throughout his life, there were many people that followed him. They were interested in him. Wonder what he's going to do today. We read in, in Luke that the multitudes were following him. And he turned to them and, as we said, emphasized to them that, wait a minute, you better count the cost. They were interested in hearing about him. And then there are those that are committed to a relationship with Jesus. They see him as valuable and they need to add him to their life. In other words, they've come, we'll illustrate it in this letter. They come to realize, man, what I'm doing in life is not fulfilling, it's not satisfying I need the supernatural. I need, number one, my sins forgiven. I realize I'm a sinner, and I've come to realize only Christ can forgive sins. And they realize they need a relationship with Christ, and they call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And so they have this relationship, but they come to the point where they're content with that that they have a relationship. There's a difference between an interest and a commitment. When you're interested in doing something, you do it only when the circumstances permit. When you're committed to something, you accept no excuses. You don't blame shift. You say, no, this is what I need to do. And those at this level, they're committed to a relationship. Yeah, it's nice to have him. We've illustrated this before. It's nice to have him in the vehicle with me. You know, it's nice to have him in the passenger seat because if I get stuck, man, it's nice to have him push me out. It's nice. He's a good mechanic. If something goes wrong, man, it's nice to have his wisdom to give me some insight here. It's nice at times even to talk with him. It's nice to have him there. There's a relationship. But then there is another level of committed to growing with Christ. In other words, I have received new life in Christ, but I am not content crawling. I am not content being a toddler. I'm not content sucking my thumb and having my silk blanket. I'm not content being a baby and someone feeding me. I want to grow. I want to know this one that loves me this much, that has given me eternal life and has forgiven all my sins. I can't comprehend that. I want to know him. I want to grow in him. And this is one that, that saturates in the word. And desires to grow and desires to know Him. See, you can be committed to church, but not committed to Christ. See, we can be committed to being here. And 
don't get me wrong. I think it's commendable that every one of you are here in below zero weather today and, and that you're here today. But just because we're here today doesn't mean we are committed to a growing relationship with Christ. But you cannot be committed to Christ without being committed to the church. We'll touch on that a little bit later. But it's a commitment to growing with Christ. Fifthly, and you think, well, wait a minute. It, it, wouldn't that number four be the epitome? The fifth one is committed to serving others because of Christ. I, I am not only happy that God's along with me and I have a relationship, but I am committed to growing to be like Christ, and that means I will be involved in serving others because of Christ. Not because I'm told to serve others, but because of Christ. Because if you serve others for any other reason but Christ, you will end up not serving others or becoming bitter about it, but it's serving others because of Jesus Christ. There is a massive difference between being involved and being committed. Being involved means you can do what you want to do, when you want to do it, and how you want to do it. And honestly, that describes a lot of Christianity. Commitment means that you are at the call of Jesus whenever he wants, however he wants. So we come back and we ask ourselves, there are lots of commitments in life, but what will have your ultimate commitment? What will have your ultimate commitment? Um, let's see, how many do I, am I going to need? One, two, three, four, five, six. Can you two come up here? And can you two girls come up here? And can you two right there? Yep. Just line up over here, okay? <clears throat> okay, I'm going to want you right on this end, all right? There we go, okay? Now. You can have a commitment to your job. Don't smirk like that, all right? And there are and we are to be committed to our job. We can have a commitment to our job and we can go to work and we can be the best worker that that we can possibly be and that is commendable. Or we can have in addition to that, we might have a commitment to our community. I am committed to making our community better. The people I'm around, I'm committing to, to making them better. I am committed to community and building that so that when I leave, um, people will know that I help make things better. And that's a good thing. There are others that are committed to family, all right? And family is very, very, very important. And they live for their family, they establish their family, they invest their all in their family, and they are committed to that. There are others that are highly committed to church, and, and their basis, they, 
They love getting together. They serve. They are diligent in it. And they are committed to their church. There are some that are just committed to self. You know, the sad part is you can be committed to self. And the reason you want to do a good job is so that self looks good. The reason you want to be in the community is so that people think, wow, what a great guy he is. Man, I really, ooh, yeah. There are others committed to family. And it's really all about my family, my life, my family, my joy, my happiness. And it still comes down to self. There are others that even in church it can be self. I mean, even as a pastor it can be self that reigns and rules and and does it for the wrong motive. So self is very important. Now, we have all these choices for commitment where it comes down to Jesus Christ. The bottom line is, don't mean to cause division here, but it comes down to these two right here. Think of this. You could put whatever you want in here for ultimate commitment, but ultimately, what are you going to commit to? Andrew goes, he gets the, his dream job. He works 40 years at his dream job. They say when he's 65 years old, Andrew, good job. Here's a gold pocket watch for you. Good job. Oh, yeah, and you have a 401K. I hope it didn't crash in the stock market. And you know what? They'll get somebody else to do his job. You, there is no one that is indispensable. Everything goes on. And your job, you can give all your time and effort to that, and maybe they'll give you a cruise. Probably won't, you know. I don't know what. They're not going to give you much. But a handshake and a swift kick out the door, and somebody's going to be after your job. And you know what? In the community, the same as there are people today in our community that the community has already forgot about because they're old and not able to function, and the community has already moved on. We've got new leaders, new helpers, new this, new that, and he's out of here. Family, how many of you personally know your great-grandfather? How many of you personally know your grandfather? See, even that, two generations, there were a lot of hands that weren't up as far as grandfather. Do you understand one to two generations from now, they will hardly even know your name. I mean, I don't want to pop your bubbles, but that's the way it is. Seriously, go back and think about it. I mean, Andrew can't give 
He knows who his grandfather was, but he has no idea the family. I mean, two generations. If I build my life around this, it's going to be gone. Sorry. Right here. Churches come and churches go. I mean, churches are, I forget the rate, but churches are closing at an astronomical rate in the U.S. And churches change and your commitment to that, total commitment to that, is going to be sadly disappointing. So it comes down to this. Who am I going to be totally committed to? Who deserves my utmost commitment? Self is deceitful and desperately wicked. It leads in rebellion against Jesus Christ. It ends up in death. It ends up in sorrow. It ends up displeasing to Jesus Christ. And everything comes down to it. Now, all of you that just had come back up here, well, just wait, one at a time. Andrew, you're here. If Andrew says, you know what, I'm going to make Jesus Christ my commitment, do you know what, that will make him the best on the job that he can possibly be. It isn't Jesus Christ verse job or Jesus Christ verse community. Do you know what? If we put Jesus Christ first, it should make us the best in the community. It should make us a benefit to the community. It should make us in the family. See, it's not a matter of choice. It's not a matter of if I say no to self, we'll let self sit down, okay? And I say no to self, it will have an impact on me. It will, but this is what has to be first and foremost. Jesus Christ, first and foremost. I am committed to Jesus Christ, and if Jesus Christ conflicts with my job, then I I take Jesus Christ. I can find another job somewhere else. If Jesus Christ, if it comes to the community and they say, you cannot say the name of Jesus Christ in this community, as it has for many, many people around the world today, the commitment says, I'm committed to Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ will make us a better family member. It's not like, oh man, I have to hate my family. No, If you love Jesus Christ, you will love your family. But if you don't love Jesus Christ, you can't love your family. Not in a genuine way. And if you don't love Jesus Christ, it will be taken away from you, and it will be sorrowful and empty and vain. And the same is true with church. You know, you'd think, thank you, you may be seated, you'd think these would be synonymous As we said, you can have church without Jesus Christ. And you can go through the motions. But it's this. Jesus Christ is worthy of my all, of all my commitment. Not just involvement. Oh, yeah, I I like you, Jesus Christ. 
Shake hands here, okay? I like you, Jesus Christ. I, I like seeing you every Sunday morning. That's a good thing. Oh, Jesus, come here, come here, come here. I'm in trouble here. Help me, help me, help me. Oh, thank you so much for helping me. I appreciate that. Praise Jesus. And then I go on my own way. Oh, Jesus, help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me. Help me. Oh, God answers prayer, doesn't he? God does answer prayer. But you know what? Jesus wants me to walk with him. He wants me to follow him. And where he leads, I will follow. And this is what the commitment comes down to. And that's why Jesus says, you're all interested in my teaching, but let me tell you something. Count the cost. Because unless you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, he said, it all will be in vain. Thank you. You may be seated. In understanding this commitment, there was a man who understood this commitment. His name was David Livingston. Many of you know he was gave his life to be a missionary in Africa. He returned to Great Britain after his first furlough after 16 years in the interior of Africa. And he was asked to speak at the University of Glasgow. He perhaps would have declined if he'd known what was awaiting for him. It was the custom of the undergraduates in those days to heckle speakers that came. And they were well prepared for this preacher. They had pea shooters. They had toy trumpets and rattles and noisemakers of every description ready. Livingston walked out onto the platform. He was the thread of a man that he was when he went to Africa. He had walked 11,000 miles. His left arm hung limply at his side, having been almost ripped from his body by a huge lion. His face was dark and leathery, 16 years in the African sun. It was furrowed with innumerable lines from the bouts of African fever, which decimated his body. He'd been attacked by savages and Turks who had sought to bring him into slave trade. He was half deaf from rheumatic fever, half blind from a branch that slapped him in one of his eyes. And the students stared at him. And they knew that here was a life that had literally burned out for God. Not a rattle was moved, not a foot shuffled, a hush crept over the auditorium. And they listened in rapt attention as David Livingston told of his journeys and his struggles and his secret to his commitment. He said, I will tell you what sustained me in the midst of the toils and hardships 
and incredible loneliness. It was a promise, the promise of a gentleman of the most sacred honor. It was this promise, lo, I am with you always. We don't have the time to go on, but David Livingston made that promise the reality of his life. He made the promise that since God is with me, send me anywhere, only go with me. Africa was never the same after David Livingston went there. As I said, we don't have time to go into the rest of the aspects of his life, but his commitment was to Jesus Christ. To Jesus Christ alone. Why did Jesus discourage people from other things? Because he knew everything else was vain and empty until they were willing to follow him wholeheartedly. Paul said it in another way. For me to live, my job, my community, my family, my church, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. You cannot serve self and God at the same time. And it's not about trying every day. It's about dying every day to self. Every day to die to self and say yes to Jesus. It's important for us to realize that Jesus still calls for that commitment. He wants us, yes, in a relationship, but yes, growing in that relationship and growing in that relationship that we're willing to serve others because of Jesus. And do you understand serving others? That will make us better on our job, better in our community, better in our family, better in our church. But it all comes down to self. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to understand the commitment that you're calling us to. And Lord, I pray that today, if there are individuals who have never been brought to a relationship with you, that today they would come to that relationship. Lord, I pray that there'd be individuals that would move from a relationship to saying, I am committed to growing in Christ. And I am committed to serving others because of you. Lord, I pray that we would have a love for you that is manifested for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, that we would always follow you. Send me anywhere. Only go with me. Lord, I pray truly that your spirit would minister the truth of a commitment to you in each of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to